So welcome to another episode of the podcast. And my guest today is uh, Dusty Crozier, uh, who is a who is a church planner and pastor in up in Ontario, Canada. So uh, so welcome, Dusty. Hey, welcome. Yeah, here. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, Dusty and I go way back. Like I met, I think when I first met you, like you were in uh, you were in youth group or something. So I've seen you at all the different stages of life, and uh, yeah. and you've seen me age and go through different stages too. So uh, <laughs> so I, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. And uh, and so why don't we just start out with you uh, giving us a little background, a little spiritual bio of like how you grew up and when you get serious about Jesus and just all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, I actually grew up um, in Quispamsis outside of uh, St. John, New Brunswick. So I'm a New Brunswicker originally there and uh, went to King's church. It was, it was King's Valley church back then. And uh, uh, my parents really faithfully, I I went through the kids program there, went through youth group. I was in church, uh, church every Sunday uh, except for that one Sunday when I was oh, 12 or something, when I informed my parents I wasn't going to church anymore. And uh, my, uh, my dad, he, he had a lot of, he, he was wise. It was really neat. He didn't, there was no argument. He just looked at me and said, okay. And, just, and they left. There was no fight. There was no, <laughs> and really funny, Mike, they, uh, they went out for lunch afterwards. They went and got ice cream. They went like, they, they did all the fun things without me. And I never said no again. <laughs> so I, I was a really... <laughs> It was really good. They obviously knew how to how to deal with me, right? Yeah. So right. Um, so what really, was the reason? What was the reason you didn't want to go? Why were you ready to quit church at that point? Yeah. To be honest, it's funny. You're 12, right? I'm not even sure why. Looking back now, um, right? I, I know. Um, you know, it's it's funny as a, uh, uh, you know, you, you talk about um, you know people's testimonies and stuff. I grew up in the church and and went there every Sunday. Had a great church experience too. I, it was a great church to be part of, right? So, I I know, um, you know. I think sometimes if you grew up in the church, you have a, you maybe have a harder time looking back and seeing how um, the devil was at you, you know, kind of thing, or, or it doesn't, it doesn't show up in the, I was doing drugs. I was, you know, all those kind of things, but right. I can definitely look back and see a, a season there, even as, you know, even sort of preteen or around there where I uh, was probably just starting to rebel in general, right. Against lots of stuff and, and, and going through some of those things. So yeah, we, strange looking back now. Right. Um, <laughs> So at what point did you really like, you know, how you kind of everybody wrestles with their faith and it moves your, you know, something you inherit from your parents to, to your own, like, when did that happen for you? When did you go through that process? Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, I, growing up in youth group there, I had great youth pastors, um, Andrew Maves and uh, Dan Lamas were my youth pastors, people, you know, they were, they were awesome people and our youth group. Um, it was a discipleship based youth group. It really was. Um, we had lots of fun too, but I remember really being discipled, uh, by those people as well. And, uh, it, in the middle of that, I remember really a couple, couple things, a real powerful season where, um, and, and it probably was over the run of a few weeks, to be honest, where, where I would say there was kind of revival type things happening at youth group a little bit. There was people coming to Christ and just really people going deeper with the Lord and it didn't happen at youth group. I, re- I remember really succinctly sort of grade nine ish or somewhere there, right. Of, of getting in my bed at night. And this, this is, this is a cool thing to look back on getting in bed at night, falling asleep and sort of waking up in the middle of the night. And the only way I can describe it is the presence of the Lord was in the room when I woke up and uh, yeah. And it was real. There was nothing. I don't know how to describe it other than that. And I got up in the middle of the night and uh if the sun has set you free, you are free indeed. I, I just had this sort of 
sense of the word rolling through me that God was speaking to me and he initiated it. I, I wasn't, it wasn't like I was looking, it wasn't. And I remember really succinctly, I, I believe I was a believer at that point. I'd received Christ as a kid. I, I think I would, I would have been in heaven if I'd been, uh, you know, th- those old uh, preachers, right? If I'd been struck by lightning, hit by a train, right? Before that, <laughs> I would have been. But there was a real sense of, of uh, God's presence and him affirming that I was his child. That makes any sense, that I was a child of God. I got out of my bed. I knelt on my bedside. Um, there, it was sort of, sort of like William Wallace, your heart is free, son, have the, have the courage right. to follow it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a really meaningful thing. And I remember, I remember the youth group night after that encounter, um, I was a pretty shy kid, pretty non-confrontational, pretty don't look people in the eye, that kind of stuff. Um, and I remember sort of standing up at youth group and giving testimony to this thing that had happened that I didn't, I didn't even really understand how it had happened. It didn't happen in church. It, which is pretty cool for a church kid, right? Like to know right, that this is right. something larger than a feeling I got in a group at church or the emotion of what's going on or something. It, it seemed to be entirely separate from those things. So yeah, when I, yeah, go ahead. Oh no. When I, when I first met you, it was probably sometime like after that, because yeah, probably. you were like one of those, like you were one of those guys, like is, uh, you know, sometimes you meet teenagers who are like already like pursuing Jesus <laughs> uh, and, and, and like really serious about their faith. And that's my first memory of you as a guy like, Oh, this, this guy's like, he wants, he wants to serve God. He's going to, he's going to yeah. go somewhere and he's going to, he's oh, going to do cool. something with his faith. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and powerful, really two couple of things together. So sh- shortly after that, our youth group had, um, and I forget what they were even called now. It's hilarious. I've tried to track this person down online. So if, if you're listening today, Brett Croft, that was his name. I haven't been able to find him. Um, we had a, there was a Christian drama group that came to our high school. So this would have been a year or so afterwards. This is a series of events, right? But a year or so afterwards. And uh, these are strange days. You wouldn't be allowed to do it now, right? This is a Christian drama group that came from British Columbia that like did drama at our high school. They did sort right. of an assembly, an assembly during the day that was sort of about making positive choices. And then you came back in the yeah. evening. Well, yeah, now like you, yeah, we can't have any any morality in school. That yeah, would be yeah, definitely not. Yeah, idea because yeah. everybody's doing so well uh, <laughs> in that right now. Yeah, with, with their uh, secondary yeah, so they, theology. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely right. Yeah, so he <laughs> he uh, this group came and they were we hung around with them all week. Um, they did drama on the bottom of King Street in front at, after dark to a bunch of skateboarders. I saw skateboarders stand up and in the middle of his friends and receive Christ and like just really cool things that were happening. Uh, this guy named Brett Croft came to class during the day. He sat in one of our classes and uh, I'm sitting next to a guy named Eric and uh, Eric was, was a, a sort of, you know, I was a Christ follower at this point, but um, th- this guy named Eric was sort of the guy that was always asking for like cigarette money and stuff like that in class. Right. And he knew we were Christians and I, I don't know, there's sort of that conflict of like, should I give you cigarette money? I don't know. Anyway, uh, he, uh, he, he was in class day after day and this, this guy named Brett, who was part of this Christian drama team came to our class and class ended same thing. You wouldn't get away with any of these things. Now he looked over at, looked over at this guy named Eric and said, he's like, my name's Brett. I'm a Christ follower. Like he just put it all out there. No, <laughs> right, right. yeah, yeah. I love Jesus. And I think you need to love Jesus too. And I think you should come to like this youth event thing tonight. This and Eric came and like accepted Christ at the event like that night. And That's we awesome. Did, yeah. Yeah. So I, I followed this guy around all week. And obviously I, you know, I, I'd seen Jesus in my family and my parents, I'd seen Jesus in my youth pastors, but there was something about that week, probably the coming together of some events, right. Where 
this guy was really following Jesus and he wasn't afraid. Like, and I, as somebody that probably deals and I still wrestle with the sum, like probably has some anxiety problems and things like that. Um, he was, uh, I don't know. There was something about it where it's like, I want to follow Jesus this way. I want to figure out what this is. Right. And there was a real, um, turning point after that. My last couple of years of high school, we really, there would have been a, a group of us, probably 60 of us that were kids from King's church and other churches in the, the, the Valley area that would meet together every Monday morning and pray over the school. Um, it, there was just the synergy of things going on. My last, in grade 12, uh, the principal's son in our high school had died really tragically on the weekend. And um, I had had a few moments in high school where I had an opportunity to share my faith and kind of fearfully backed away from it. And uh, that last year, grade 12, um, our principal's son passed away on the weekend. It was sort of this tragedy that kind of rippled through our school. And somebody made an announcement over the loudspeaker that the Christian group was going to pray for our principal, Mr. Monroe, on a, on a Monday morning, right? And my whole high school came outside. Wow. And, and around the flagpole, everybody did. It just sort of happened spontaneously. And uh, I looked over at Andrew Wigston. These are all names that you know, uh, who is uh, the lead singer of Present Reality. He came to our Bible study and helped us, right? And met us at the flagpole in the mornings. And I looked at him and said, well, somebody's got to like get this going, right? And he never said anything to me. I've talked about him since he never said anything. This is such a Jesus discipleship kind of thing, right? And he just like pushed me into the center of this big, <laughs> this big circle. It was such that's, a cool thing. That's true leadership, right? Absolutely, right? Like he, he pushed me into the circle and I had a chance to lead my high school in prayer. And after that, it was not nerdy to be a Christian in my high school, to be a Christ follower. That's the only way I can describe it. We'd walk around the hallways, people, there wasn't the same sort of, people used to throw rocks at us when we pray or, <laughs> or you know, things like that. Right. And it wasn't nerdy to be that after a while. My last year of high school, there was just real, I, I, I just remember there being really cool ministry as a high school student in, in the school where there was respect after that day. And yeah. And there was a lot, you know, the larger context of that, if I'm getting the time frame right, yeah. uh, it was like a lot of, there was just a spirit of revival. Those were the, like the revival town days, I think. Yeah. Uh, when we used to gather everybody in uh, uptown St. John at the high school yeah. and, and have these huge rallies. And there was, was like, there was a really a sense of like, God is moving. God is, is Absolutely. doing something. And so you were, uh, you were yeah. uh, like a part of, part of that bigger thing that was, that was going on there. And uh, you, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned, you mentioned discipleship kind of being part of a key part of your experience at youth group. And one of the, like one of the things that, uh, how long were you a youth pastor uh, in Roblin? Like how many years was that Dusty? Yeah. So I got rid of Bible college. It's the first church I went to. I was there 17 years as a, as a youth pastor. Yeah. So it was, well, and one of the things that, one of the things that I I noted about your ministry there, other than like the longevity, because like 17 years for a youth pastor is like, it's kind of like dog years. Like if you're a youth pastor and you say somewhere 17 years, it's like the equivalent of a hundred years or something. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. But one of the things that I noted about your ministry was, was like, and it wasn't that there wasn't fun, you know, and all that other stuff, but, but there was, uh, there was discipleship happening. Like you, a lot of people came out of that youth group, like being true followers of Christ, uh, which I think is uh, like a testament to your leadership uh, and, and was probably passed on to you from, from the youth leaders that you mentioned earlier. And so uh so uh, what was well, like? What were some of the keys to your uh, to your youth ministry? What was 
Like, cause it, it was really, it really stood out to me like as this is the way youth group is supposed to work or some of the keys to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think for me so much of that, it was, it was great to go to Bible college. It was great to go to Kingswood university. It was part of my journey. I'm so thankful for it. Um, but the, the youth leaders that, that modeled those things to me as a teenager, um, they, uh, they were available. They, they seem to actually want to be around teenagers. <laughs> that sounds like a funny thing, but like right. they, they, they were on mission, right? Like I think they were. And I think, um, you know, I mentioned their names, both uh, Dan Lamus and Andrew Mays. They, they, they were uh, intentional about uh, spending time with us outside of youth group. Um, I've talked to people who they're, you know, it's a question you're, I'm a church planner. So sometimes people are showing up and you're hearing their stories, right. As they arrive at church and connect to our church and, and hearing people tell the story of, you know, we had eight youth pastors as a teenager, right. They just, I never really knew any of them. Like, like hearing right. people say that. And, and uh, I knew mine, like I, we, we were, we did ministry with them. I, I think there was just this attitude of, they spent time with us. They cared for us. They pushed us thinking of Andrew Wigston. He wasn't my youth pastor, but he was involved in that movement of discipleship of giving people opportunities. Um, well, yeah. And if you were, if you were like a worship leader in the Maritimes, like chances are you were, you were a product of Andrew Wigston's ministry oh, in some way. Right. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So all of those men and women involved in some of those things, right. They, there was this attitude of real discipleship of, modeling things to us outside of of a youth group or a church event right and and really pushing us into ministry i remember my first time leading worship at youth group really you know my voice cracking you know just <laughs> in fear and trembling singing so you know lord i lift your name on high probably right like saying you know singing a song that that this really all the, all those songs that people make fun of now but yeah, actually, ones, but, yeah. but that the lord actually used during that time right? absolutely yeah. right yeah absolutely and they 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 pushed us towards these things they released us they i, I remember a real moment of a season a year or so of synergy kind of that youth group where where you know and, and there's a ton of pastors and missionaries that came out of this era at king's church they're all yeah absolutely right? yeah, yeah. Where, where there was this attitude of, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of Andrew, especially, you know, in, in preaching and him finishing preaching at youth group and there being a worship time. Like, I remember nights there where there was, there was no games. We like worshiped and preached and did altar stuff. And there was a hundred kids there. Right. Like, you know, like there was just this real neat synergy happen of where he would, he was using his gifts. He was discipling us and he finished. And there was just teenagers all over the sanctuary praying for each other. Like he had, he had built up this crew of people that, that were doing ministry uh, to their, with their, with their peers, right. And with people in high school. So there was an attitude at King's church then too, right? Like I remember leading worship on Sunday morning, like the teenagers were leading service and, and they, they were letting us do things before we were perfect. Yeah. But yeah, probably, yeah. You, and you probably, they were throwing you in the deep end of the pool. You probably weren't ready, but the Lord like used it anyway. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I've tried to, at, at Roblin, where I was a youth pastor for 17 years, these are things that I tried to pass on. And uh, we, we had this attitude there and there's still an attitude that way. It was a great church of, of just sort of, we don't wait till people are 70 till they can play guitar or we don't wait till they're professionals. I know that there's different models of ministry for those things. 
but but we sort of had this joke kind of like you know nashville is probably the worst place in america if you're a young teenager trying to be on a worship team like, <laughs> right <laughs> you'll never have a chance right there'll be no right. yeah there's 500 people better than you um right. that are going to sound right off the 401 in, in canada though it's you know you've got a much better yeah, chance we need you yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we need you yeah uh, yeah so so all those things yeah there's there was uh yeah it was it's been a real honor to see and a, and a privilege I, I get a text message from uh, a teenager that's serving in new brunswick as a i say a teenager a former teenager that is now a youth pastor <laughs> that that was just you know checking in saying hey good stuff happening at youth group i'll have guys call me still and say hey this is happening at youth group what should we do to set, kind of see uh you know, a group of people, I'm still, I'm still involved in their life that way. And my youth pastors, I'm 41. They're still involved in my life. Right. Yeah. And so, so it was, it was a real, it was a, like a relational thing. It was a real thing. Not just, it was a not real just a job. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Not just a job. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, uh, I mean, I'm a church planner now, but I, I'm realizing you never stop being a youth pastor. Like you don't, if you, if your brain is towards make, or your heart, I should say, if your heart is towards making disciples, you're just going to do it no matter what you do. Like my, my youth pastor, Andrew Maves had a season where he was um, not in a local church. Uh, Dan Lamus was too, I think. Yeah. Like where they were both in seasons where they were not sort of in paid ministry roles and they were still discipling people. And it was, yeah. It was like they were the same people. They, isn't that interesting? <laughs> no matter, no matter what their job anymore. was. Right. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't their job anymore. And they still right. wanted to make disciples. Like what a, <laughs> what a biblical idea. Like it seems like more <laughs> of a calling and more of what Christ has asked us to do instead of, a job and boy COVID has reminded me and reminded all of us hopefully of these things right when you're you, you can't do the big service anymore you can't you know like some yeah. of these things have been shut down I can still make disciples I can do that till I die you know yeah and, and actually uh, the stage isn't the best place to make disciples anyway like it's, <laughs> it's it, it has its place Absolutely. and it's a lot of fun like I've, I've been on a lot of stages and and I really enjoy yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. Like there's part of me that, that really thrives on that. But, uh, but most, most ministry does happen like off the stage. I think most, most like life changing kind of ministry. Happens Absolutely. Those other moments. I, I, yeah. One of the things I, I, I was talking, this is not to, you know, inflate your head, but I was right. talking, talking about you the other day, we were talking about, um, you know, uh, just ministry in general and some of these discipleship issues. And one of the things I said to somebody uh, involved in our cohort of, of students that are taking Kingswood classes right now online, I just said to him, you know, Mike, and they, they knew you from seeing you at conference and things. And I said, Mike, I've, I've been with some places where he's speaking at a, a youth event and there's three or 400 people in the room. And I've been with him in a homeless shelter where he's sharing the gospel with like 10 people and it's the same message. Like he's the same person. It's not like you're, I don't, I've always appreciated about you. And I, I see, I see that as being apostle Paul. Like I don't see the apostle Paul looking in, like, you know, lo looking in the room and right. Syria somewhere <laughs> and going, ah, oh, there's only five people here. Maybe we'll go up to like, I just think he did it wherever he went. Like what an idea, right? Like just, just do it. You have the opportunity to share. Yeah. Or to or oh man. I was around. I know you, you were like years ago, you were in Peru with me. So you have yeah, a little bit yeah. of knowledge of you remember what Peru was like, but, but uh, like I had this moment in Peru, just, you know, the last time I was there that uh, we, we, we get stuck in, we were going to this little church plant. We get stuck in traffic. We show up at the church and there's nobody there, but the church planter. We're like an hour late and, and there's literally like nobody sitting in the chairs. So we, so we send all this, we send this team out to go knock on doors. It's like wow. about eight at night. 
and it and it's a it's like kind of a hazy, foggy, like damp night. Uh, it's yeah. just really miserable. It's like it looks like a total failure. And uh, and so after after about an hour of waiting uh, for the people to come back from knocking on doors, we now have five people to minister to, and and three of them are children, right? So we got yeah. like two moms and three children. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, what was awesome. Like we just did the service anyway. And like all five of them were not Christians and all five of them gave their lives to Jesus at the end. (laughs) And it's just that, it's just that. And the Lord was reminding me, like, it's not about everything going perfect. It's not about like having a big crowd and, uh, having all the right equipment. Like sometimes the best moments happen in these little out of the way places and uh where where everything seems to be going wrong and then like boom the lord shows up and and like i would i would trade a lot of the like i i wouldn't trade that for like a lot of the bigger events right like that's stuck yeah. in my memory as a time where like the lord just really like spoke to me and reminded me of like some key things and uh, and the, the same way that you've been um, mentioning some people and affirming them, Dusty, I just want to I want to like, I don't know if you hold the record. Like, I don't think anybody's done the math, but but you you may be you may have been like the youth pastor that sent more people to study ministry at Kingswood than than any other, you know, than any other person. You definitely there's a long line of people that you have discipled and sent them on. And now they're they've graduated and they're out like discipling other people. Cool. And so, uh, you know, maybe in the middle of COVID, we all need to hear a few encouragements like that, you know, I appreciate uh, that. Yeah. along the yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. uh, so jumping ahead to like where you are now, how long yeah. have you, uh, like, when did you launch the church that you're at now? Tell us a little bit about it and, uh, yeah. Kind of what that yeah, looks our- like. I've been a youth pastor uh, for yeah for 17 years, and we we kind of knew that the Lord was leading us somewhere else, and we're kind of starting to sense that. And my wife, uh, she's a she's a go getter. Like she, if God speaks, she just goes. And I'm I'm a little bit more drag my feet. I'm being honest, a little bit of just sort of wanting wanting details, right, and wanting you know some more uh, signs in the sky and some of those kind of things. And uh, we we were sensing that. And I remember my my wife really. I was I was talking like a church planter, right, and and saying those kind of things and having these conversations. And I remember my wife. We were driving somewhere, and she just said, "I think God has gifted you to do this. I think you just need to go do it. Like I think you need to get over yourself and just kind of kind of go do it, right?" right. So <laughs> only her spouses can say those things to us, right, in the in the way that we'll receive. So. I, I, it was right. She was absolutely right. And, um, God it's, it's God's church. I need to, I need to be reminded of that too. Right. When we're feeling, uh, yeah, feeling like we don't know what we're doing. Right. Uh, it's, it's his church. So we, we knew that. And I, I remember sitting down with our senior pastor and saying, Hey, we're feeling called to go plant a church. There were some other key moments, really cool things, really key moments leading up to this. I, I, I skipped a step there, but I was, I was sitting with a gentleman from Roblin Wesleyan in a coffee shop and, and, uh, he didn't know any of this was going on in our heart. Right. And he just said, uh, elderly John, I shouldn't say elderly, older guy than me, uh, Richard. <laughs> and uh, if you're listening, Richard, I met the, yeah, uh, Richard, uh, Richard looked at me and said, have you ever thought of a plan to church? And I didn't talk to him about any of this stuff. And I and I kind of had to be honest. I was like, actually, you know what? We, we've really been thinking about this the past little while. And he said, have you ever thought of a planting one in, in loyalist in Amherstview? Like this is, this is the region we were looking at. Nobody told him, right. He just, just really need confirmations along the way. 
Um, I remember having a moment where um, we were like, we can't do this. Robin Wesleyan Church hasn't paid their mortgage off yet. We're going to be taking a team from their church to do it. And I remember having that conversation with God and their mortgage got paid off that week. Like somebody gave tens of thousands of dollars. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't know any of this was going on. Right. It right. just happened. Right. So um, little simple things like that. And um, I talked to our senior pastor. He was for it and excited about it. He's a missional guy. And, uh, and uh, over a year or so we prepared, there was a team of probably 40 um, adults and adults, te- teenagers and kids. Oh, that's, uh, that's a pretty good start when you're, when you've got like a team absolutely. of 40 to go with. Right. Absolutely. And it's a, it's a sacrifice. If anybody from Roblin Wesleyan's listening here, like it, it's a sacrifice. This is not a, this church was, you know, it was not a church that had 2000 people at it. Right. When you, right. When you send 40 people, you notice. 40 is right? a pretty good chunk, right? It's, it's a chunk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they, it's sort of like, you know, when you send your kids to college, I'm assuming, right. They're, they're excited to leave and are pumped. And it's, it's the parents who are kind of grieving maybe right when they leave. And, and uh, we have, we, we had the excited part and they had the grief connected to it, I'm sure. And the sacrifice, right. and they've been so good and encouraging since they they've been wonderful. Uh, but probably 40 and uh, that, you know, some people from some other churches and as well that, that just were sort of believing in the mission and, and some of those things. And we launched um, our churches will be three years in May. So so we've spent most of our time church planning during COVID. Yeah. So it's been it's been crazy. <laughs> an, an ideal time to start A something. Great new. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. So we went maybe eight, eight months somewhere around there, um, planting during COVID. And, and, we and were you, grown- were you, were those like eight months where you were kind of like soaring a little bit and feeling really good Absolutely. about it? And, yeah. Yeah. Like I, to be honest, like everybody that plants churches, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about being a church plant, like you read those stats, right. That 50% of them don't work out within a year. Um, you, you read them. I was aware of them, but I, I had to get to a place where I just sort of said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you with this, whether I fail or not. Like I'm, I'm throwing myself out here. Um, fail, failed church plant, planters don't often get invited to speak at chapel. Like these, these are things that I, I, things that I said in my brain was like, this really might. Like I, I may be doing something else after this. Like right, if, if right. things don't go well, these are things I was reminded. I, I just sort of said, well, God, I'm going to go fail for you if that's what you want, or I'm going to go succeed for you, but I'm going to follow you, you know? Um, yeah. So <laughs> dear, I'm talking about it. And so, yeah. yeah. So, so we since, went, we, like yeah. you guys were under like some pretty heavy lockdown measures there for. Absolutely. So did you, yeah. did you have to like, was it hard for you to put everything on? Did you go, did you have to do the go online route and do all that stuff? Yeah. So we, yeah. we'd grown to probably, uh, probably, probably 120 people on a Sunday within those eight months. Um, we had a baptism. We baptized people. People came to Christ. Like some of those initial, like, this is, this is like working. Like there was, right. there was excitement. There was energy. There was, it was refreshing. If, if you've, uh, um, if you've been a youth pastor forever and you suddenly are in a small group with adult men or things like that, like there's parts of it that were really, they were just awesome for me too. Right. They were, they were refreshing for me personally. And, uh, we hit lockdown. We were not online before this at all. We were meeting at a high school or at a, a public school gym. So you so had a really first- steep learning curve there, right? Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like we, yeah. we, uh, we had to shut down before other churches too, right? We were, the schools shut down before the churches were shut down. So we're at, you know, a guy's basement studio Saturday night trying to figure out how to record church and put it online, all of us and doing all these things. And and scrambling or it's a funny memory now so everything uh, everything went online ontario regulations and rules i think compared to the maritimes i think we had some longer and harder lockdowns like 
there were several seasons here where there were stay at home orders where like, I remember pulling into our little village. We live in a sort of a hamlet out in the country a little bit. And like, there's yellow tape around all the playground equipment, like that kind of lockdown, right? Like kids aren't allowed to be in the park, aren't allowed to, uh, and churches at certain points were either absolutely shut down or you could have 10 people at church, right? So everybody just shut down. Nobody, everybody went online. And the hardest thing and the strangest thing for us, when all the churches rallied and when there was a reopening for a few months before the next lockdown, they all kind of rallied and went back to in person. But because we were using rental space, uh, we didn't, right? So, so a lot of our stuff, had to remain online when everybody else opened uh, and it forced us. We did some online conferences. We just sort of tried to be creative and find some unique ways to connect with people. Uh, Mike, you were part of a couple of those. And uh, yeah, and that, that yeah. was fun. I enjoyed, I enjoyed that because I was, yeah. uh, I was locked in my basement as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so things that we'd never done before. I had a great team, my tech team that I, I am clueless with some of these things and I had great people just doing it some of those technical things and really cool. I had to interview Mark Clark from the village church in, in British yeah. Columbia. Yeah. He's, he's great. Canada. Yeah. Uh, interviewed Cindy Klassen uh, during conference. She was a six medal Olympian, right? Uh, uh, speed skater, uh, believer in Christ. And, uh, the lead singer of Hocus Pick. Yeah. <laughs> Just for those of you who remember the nineties. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. the, wow. I remember yeah. the nineties. Yeah. Let's yeah, say yeah, it backwards. So, wow. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I, I found him online. It was like, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to interview. He's kind of got a neat life story and how, how God worked among them during those days as a worship leader now in British Columbia. So uh, did some, did some, yeah, just interesting things like that. We, we bumped into somebody, my, my wife works at a, at a nursing home in town uh, a day a week and I bumped into somebody there the other day that, that, you know, sort of somebody that was there uh, with um, at a memorial service. So a younger person that was there for that. And they, they said, hey, yeah, we saw one of your conferences online. Like it, it's reached some places and still is that we wouldn't have ever thought of, right? So, right, yeah. Yeah, lockdown, nobody's going to church anywhere. It was sort of a neat thing to do on the weekend that there were these sessions available and it, and it worked really well, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we've had some, here we've had uh, like some government overreach and, you know, there, there's been some issues with churches where, uh, and, and maybe, uh, like I'm not pointing any fingers. It may have there, there. There was probably some moves on on both sides of the spectrum that were a little, uh, maybe not the wisest uh, kind of kind of kind of moves because we're all like figuring this out together. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But a lot of pastors that I talked to uh, were were, were kind of like kind of like feeling caught in, and I felt this uh, sometimes too. Like you're you're kind of caught in the middle. Like no matter what decision you make. Uh, some people are going to be, you know, really happy with you and other people are going to be really unhappy with you. And, and it's, uh, especially most pastors that I know have tried to, to stick in the middle to, to like do something balanced and wise and, and not to either extreme, but, uh, but then you kind of get shot from both sides. And so it's, it's, have you, have you guys wrestled with any of that in Ontario or is it, yeah, absolutely. Right. It's uh, we see things on the news. Uh, there's churches, I won't name them right around the country who right. said no to, to any kind of rule or any kind of any kind of thing like that. And they've, they've remained open. Um, we tried to really do a middle a middle ground approach, too. And I I tried to be really careful. I, I didn't even want to ask anybody if they were vaccinated or not. Like there's so many issues within this that I think I think the devil has gotten right a hold of some of it to cause division in the church, right? Whether people are vaccinated or not, whether they're, 
masking or not, whether they're, you know, all the, all we know, right. All the dynamics and all right. the, the controversies around it. And, um, Absolutely. We, we try to try to take a middle ground in what we were doing as far as our, our public gatherings. We were we were put in a really strange position. Our church was as a church plant. And uh, somebody out there right now is maybe listening to this and we'll let you know you can survive this. Right. Yeah. So we were put in a, a strange position of having to uh, we're meeting at a hotel. Uh, so public meeting places in Ontario require a vac- vaccination proof. Right. Um, to get in. So churches were exempt from that, which I think I think. Uh, you know, on their part, they're, they're making decisions with lots of different data or advice from different advisors, but churches were exempt for that rule. And because we were in a church plant in a hotel, we were, we were given sort of notice that we had to ask for this. The hotel required it. And the hotel, lovely people. We're so thankful for them. They've been so accommodating. Uh, we're, we're thankful they've been wonderful. But they're just following the rules, right? They're, they're following right. the rules they were given. Um, and, uh, so we, we, I had a really hard week where I was wrestling with like, do we ask this or do we shut down? And you got to remember for us as a church plant, other churches have reopened off and on through this whole thing when we were not able to, right? So God was still working. He was drawing people. We've grown during the pandemic some, uh, but, but we, we would like, we just been open for like a month and to shut it all back down again. And this is during a season where you can go rent a school, like. There's no school to rent yet in, in, in our region, right? To, they, they've all been off limits. They've all, so as far as finding a meeting place and even some local churches, they, they, some local churches would have been uncomfortable with us meeting in their space too, of just fears of what if we're connected to the COVID outbreak. Um, the mentality in Ontario, probably a little different even than down East, right? We were, I know proportionately we're in a larger province, but when you see the number come up, like 4,275 cases today, right? Like in an urban center, if you're in an urban center in Ontario, I think people were quite a bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, people are kind of like in a, in a in protective mode. Like in, in protective, yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's, yeah. They, they, I think there was a real sense of that protective mode that took over. So we, uh, yeah, so I, for about a week there, I, I really prayerfully wrestled and we, we had had people. And you're a, you're a people person too. So I was like, it, absolutely. That these things would be harder for you than for, for some others, oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I love when everybody's happy with me. <laughs> I right. love when I'm happy with everybody else. Right. Yeah. So I, I just knew no matter what, there's going to be people upset. And we, we prayerfully for a week didn't make a decision. And we were at a kid's event in the park and I saw some kids that had just connected a family with some kids that had just connected to our church. Um, yeah. And people uh, that don't have a relationship with Jesus coming to church, right? They, things like this happening that, that are seeking things like that. And uh, knowing that, you know, for the most part, uh, a larger proportion of our congregation would be vaccinated. And I had to kind of make this really hard call of like, I think we're just going to stay open and follow through on this and say, you have to be, um, our facility is asking <laughs> right, <laughs> that, right. that you be vaccinated. It's not something that we have made a decision on personally that you must be or any of these things. So, um, yeah, so, so people did it. Our church rolled with it. Um, there's people that, um, within our church that have lots of different ideas about vaccines and passports and masks and all things, but they understood the rationale, right? They, they understood the heart of like, we are going to stay open for those who are here right now. Um, and some others are going to meet in houses like they were through the pandemic the whole way through, right? In a, in a small group and knowing that the future is, is holding a hopefully a more permanent place where we can meet where this isn't an issue, right? So um, yeah, they, they roll with yeah, that. Yeah, and that's, that's probably a testament to your, uh, to, to discipleship and to your, to your leadership that people were willing to, uh, 
to put to put the bigger picture ahead of their own personal preference because that's uh, like I find a lot of people are just they're they are in that protective mode and they're in that mode where like well you can't like my preference you know is yeah. takes preference over everything and uh it, when we step back and see the bigger picture sometimes it helps us to get along better <laughs> yeah yeah for sure and everybody connected to our local congregation whether they were pumped about the issue or not at least held on to the mission the ones that are connected to our church i know in the greater community of things right um as pastors when you make decisions like this uh there's there'll be lots of people that are upset about it and um i'm just navigating yeah and sometimes you just have to make you sometimes you just have to make hard decisions where, where you know Absolutely. that there's going to be there's going to be people that are unhappy but like it has the decision has Absolutely. to be made so Absolutely. And my, in my heart of hearts, I actually called our premier's office. I didn't get a hold of him. I got one of his handlers, but in my heart of hearts, when I, when I think of the issue, it's like, I, I've always been somebody that felt like you should be able to just show up at church, no matter what's going on in your life. Vaccinated, right. Unvaccinated. We were thrown into this situation. It's been hard for us to find another place. We decided to plow through, but long-term, definitely not my heart. Like you should be able to show up. You got out of jail, go to church. You got to, you know, like, right, you, right. Should church. you should be able to find a church somewhere. Uh, you know, my, my grandparents told me of the era when all the church buildings in town had their doors unlocked at night, right? Like if you were, right. Cause you just, you were, that the church was never locked, right? Yeah. If you were homeless or hitchhiking, I could at least go sleep at a church. Right. And that, yeah. that part of being, a and there's something really, there's something beautiful about that and the openness and also in the respect from the larger culture that we will go in and sleep there and appreciate it yeah. and, and not steal things. Right. Like yeah, there was just yeah, a, right. And yeah. understanding all the way around. Absolutely. My, my grandpa's, you know, my grandpa told me that too. It worked both ways, right? It, it, there was right. also this sort of, you never take something from a church, right? Like most of the culture right. 80 years ago, they would have felt like they would have been struck by lightning when they left, right? So right. Like, sleep here, but this is a sacred place, right? Yeah. 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 So that that built-in kind of respect for God uh, that that is... Well, I guess we shouldn't be surprised when you take when you take God out of the schools. <laughs> you yeah, were mentioning yeah. you were talking about your you know how different your school was back back in the day when when you when you uh, kind of remove God from the schools. We, we shouldn't be surprised that people start acting in ungodly ways, right? Absolutely, <laughs> just right. like Absolutely. it's just the way the way things work. So, uh, man, it's been great to talk to you. Just uh, just kind of wrapping wrapping up here. Uh, I usually give people just a, like a minute at the end to uh, I think the last time I, last time I did a, a youth rally for you, which has been a few years now, but I, th I think I spun, there was one moment where I spontaneously just, I think it was like a morning session after an all nighter. And the way I ended, I just spontaneously like dropped the mic <laughs> and it made a loud noise. And then I, I walked off. So I want to give you a mic drop moment where you can, yeah. uh, where you like, if you, if you had just one thing to communicate uh, to to the world right now, one thing you, that you could say to everybody to encourage them, what would it be? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, through the whole pandemic, there were certain times where we, my wife and I, right, we're, we're planting a church during a pandemic, and there's been moments where we kind of look at each other. Uh, I know you feel like you're sort of moving past it at the stage, right, where we've looked at each other and said, like, man, I don't know what's, what's going to happen, and. I had to have some really heart searching moments of just sort of, you know, what's it going to be like to, I don't know, to fail at this or have things or, or, or have that weight. And I really felt it was really neat to just have experienced the Holy Spirit say like, none of this is a surprise to me. Like God's not surprised by pandemic. Um, 
the church has endured way, and I'm not trying to negate. I know COVID's been awful, right? Some of you have lost your jobs if you're listening. Some of you have lost loved ones. Like, absolutely. We know people that have, right? It's mm-hmm. been awful. But the church has endured really awful things through the centuries and, and found a way to survive and thrive and move forward through it. If you go looking for COVID, uh, when the pandemic happens, you're looking for articles online to help you navigate it as a pastor through pandemic. And like, you find, you're finding stuff about like the Spanish flu in 1918 and like you know, the, the black death. Like these are the, there's, it, there's not really a precedent for it. Right. In a lot of different ways to try to figure out how to navigate. And you're reading stuff like the clergy during the black plague just went around burying people all day. That's all they did. You know? Uh, so as disruptive and awful as this has been, you're, you're calling to follow Jesus. You're calling to preach. You're calling to make disciples. You're calling to move forward. It endures, right? And despite the loss of an income, the loss of a whatever, fill in the blank, right? You had all these great plans. I talked to pastors who were, or have heard stories, right? It's like the, the, the pandemic launched on the, you know, a month before they were supposed to launch their new building. Right. You know, like just heartbreak, like all that work that went into all this stuff. And I can't imagine, right? All these, all these disruptions. And, uh, you know, Mark Clark said in one of our, our, uh, my interview with him, he said, at some point you do kind of go like, I'm just called to do this. And I wonder, this is my thought this week and I'll wrap her up here, but uh, (laughs) we've always had this idea that being faithful to Jesus means we're going to be successful. Do you know what I mean? Yeah like like whatever that means right that there'll be some sort of well and we usually have an idea of it in our head what it means for us right there'll be some sort of earthly crown here right we'll be able to look back and look at our successful journey and i i just see all sorts of people through christian history who their crown was it was just in heaven like they as far as any kind of books written textbooks we, we we've forgotten their names they were martyred they were there was no mega church. There was no any of that stuff. And they were absolutely faithful. That's all I got. Yeah, <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> that sounds like a good, a good place for us to, uh, yeah. to end. So I'm uh, thanks. Thanks so much. This has been a really great conversation. Awesome. And I really uh, appreciate you taking the time to, to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to hit pause now and then maybe we'll uh, have a few more minutes. We can just chat by ourselves. So awesome. Thanks everybody.